On today's episode of Gathering the Kings, I focus 100% on bringing in funds, capital to truly change the industry. Because I think that I found was that if you don't have access to capital quickly, when there's a fantastic opportunity to purchase, you just don't have the opportunity to purchase it. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody. I'm Chaz Wolf. I'm your host. I'm back gathering the kings. I've got Brandon Schwab on the table here. King's table. Welcome. You know, I was just telling you offline, today has been just a packed Monday. I assume it's been that for you as well. (laughs) It has been. It has been crazy for sure. You know, the listener didn't get the privilege of being in our few minutes before we turned the record button on, but you know, you said you were up late last night talking with some investor friends until, you know, past midnight. Yeah, bro. This, this takes me right into two questions. I've got, I want to know what business that you're in and I want to know why you still do it. You were up late last night digging and I want to know why. So first tell us what kind of business that you're in. I operate a fund and this fund is built to change the industry for the elderly and how they are being cared for in a very cozy home compared to a big cold type of a place with 100 to 200 people. Our fund is basically geared to change the industry by giving funds to operators who could not open if they didn't have access to all of those funds. This past evening, we had a group of investors come in from out of town. They were from the East Coast and we got done with touring all the houses and did all that. And then all this came back to our office and we began playing cash flow, the board game at about 6 p.m. We didn't end till like almost quarter to 12. And then afterwards, all of us talked about I'll bet you we talked for 45 afterwards. And by the time all of us are done, it was 1230. <laughs> and it was just like an awesome time and go, how is it 1230? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, especially um, when you're awesome. digging in, you know, with, with yeah. like-minded guys and gals that are pressing towards the future. So just to be clear for the listener, you're operating, you have multiple of these locations, but you have, you're operating senior living facilities, but in a much, much different way. So yes, the answer is Kind of. I founded a company back in 2014 and I was operating them all the way up into June 2021. So I actually got out of operations after almost eight years. Got it. I found out that the things that I'm awesome at, it didn't include operating the assets personally. So I actually found another person to do that. And I opted out of the day to day type ops. I actually focused on after that, I opened up our first true fund and I did do a fund prior, but I didn't think of it as an actual fund. 
I chose to do the fund full time because I had a deal that I was trying to close. I was buying a portfolio of seven homes, 55 total beds. And we call them the assets that we operate are going to be 10 beds to about 20 beds per home caring for the elderly, right? So this portfolio, we had the deal through the SBA and the SBA was giving me a fantastic deal. It was 2.5%. It was fantastic. It was only 10% down. Wow. And what happened was I did not get it finished because they asked for a extension for 30 days. When I went back to the person that was purchasing it from him, he goes, Brandon, I can't do that because I just got an offer that was 1.5 million higher than your offer. So I scrambled for 30 days and I tried to bring up 12.5 million in cash in 30 days and I just couldn't do it. And a thing that that taught me is you need to think of the things you have to have before you have to have it. Because in those 30 days, I was just desperate for cash. I was calling everyone. And I just said, you know, that isn't going to ever happen ever over. I am going to be thoughtful because that deal, I was buying it at a 14.5% cap rate. It was a fantastic deal. That would have 2X our current portfolio. So I think to answer your question, I do have in our elder opco company, I've got five homes that have been operating a bulk of them for the past five years. And there's two that I was able to open it. And I've got two homes that are opening. Those are going to be pending to open permit probably quarter three, 2022. And then I've got a piece of land that is 7.2 acres that I was going to build about five houses on. So I've been in the operating company for eight years, but the answer is I'm actually out of the operating company today. And I focus a hundred percent on bringing in funds, capital to truly change the industry. Because I think that I found was that if you don't have access to capital, quickly when there's a fantastic opportunity to purchase yeah you just don't have the opportunity to purchase it and yeah, i and, yeah and i thought it i thought i was able to have this thing done through the sba and they just asked for 30 days and if i had a fund in place at the time i could have been able to use that to have things closed and then the sba could have taken out the capital for our fund about 30 afterwards. And I said, you know, Brandon, I goofed it up because I've been talking about talking on it. Painful in that moment, but it spurred you, you know, the success that you're having today. So I love how you're going to be able to give us, you know, operational business stuff. I love what you said there that, you know, really your lane in the business at this stage, obviously is to hone in on, on a couple of things there. I also love what you're doing from an angle of uh, the elderly care space is obviously you know, just on fire going to grow, but then it's, it's, it's tied to real estate. And so that's how we met. I think it was maybe through a real estate group or something. I can't remember on Facebook, but you know, the the reality there is that it's, it's not just a business, Sure, you know, it's, it's a business and a real estate play. And so I think that you're offering a unique deal to, to your investors. And so I love that. So we'll get into that, some of that, but at this stage in the game, that was my second part of that question is, I mean, you were up until past midnight last night talking about, you know, a silly game, but not really though. It's like Dude. the game that we're playing in life. I Why know are you pushing at this level though. You've made it, you know, quote unquote. Dude, 
there gets a point when you don't do it to earn. So as you do it to like truly change the industry and have that purpose is incredible. It is awesome to have the, I think, the opportunity to change the industry. Because a thing that I didn't tell you earlier, or I think I told you before this call is, is I had a experience personally where a person in our family had to go into a place that, that had over 200 people. And it was cold and I hated the atmosphere and the odor. And that's where he was at when everything ended for him. And I felt so bad for him because they just offered terrible care. And I took that personal experience and I turned that into, I can take that and I can turn that into a, a op that I can help elders that they don't ever have to do that. Cause this place, we pulled the pull cord to get a person to be able to go in there to help them. And it took them 15, 20, 20 by 25. So I got kind of upset and I had to go find a person to offer him care. And I can't tell you the thing that I told them, but I'll tell you, I was pretty direct and, and it was very over the top to get them to come in to offer care. And afterwards I felt terrible yeah. that I had that, that I had to act like that. So fast forward to today, I got into this thing at first to earn 10 thousand each month. And I did that in our very first house in 2015. (laughs) And in fact, I earned two X that actually. And as I got past that, I was like, you know, if I can help change the industry for other people that they don't have to do what all of us had to, because 10,000 people per day are able to turn 65 years old and 4,500 every day turn 85. Wow. Everyone turned in 85 that end up in all of our homes today. And those people don't get old. And if you have to get old, you need to have lots of funds okay. to take care of it. Because if you don't, those places, if you are out of funds, are pretty disgusting. Yeah. I love the purpose there. We've, we've talked about, you know, purpose on, on many of these shows and at some point, right? Like it has to go past the money. Like you're saying, I love how you just gave us the really clear description, how it was about money for you. Like at the beginning, it was like, I just want to make 10,000 a month, but it was tied to, I can do this better. This was a terrible experience, which so many businesses start that way. They go, sure. I can do this better. Let me, let me start out. Let me make a little bit of money. But eventually you've had enough success in building these locations and providing the service and now building it into a fund to where now it's about, like you said, changing the industry. So when you're thinking about your purpose now, did you have that in mind then, or has that grown over the course of time? One of the things that happened is after I opened up home two, I finally had the funds. So I was able to hire an outside coach to come in. And he came into our L10 event. That was a two-day event offsite, right? He began asking me the purpose that I opened up this company. And I gave him the answer that I told everybody. And this guy goes, no, I don't think so. Just kept digging (laughs) and digging and digging and digging. And he got back to a day that I just told you on. And I didn't even have any clue that that was the purpose that I opened it because soon as I got to that point, 
busted into tears. I mean, I was a absolute train wreck because the day that I acted that way, I acted as if that didn't ever happen. I just, I felt so, so bad. And if you have to get old, you need to have lots of funds to take care of it. Because if you don't, those places, if you are out of funds are pretty disgusting. And that purpose changes things. Now, fast forward to today, I figured out that I can take a home that's about 5,000 feet and get it to have a, a total income of about 50 to 55,000 each month with, ex- with expenses of about 30 to 32 each month. So right. I figured out how these things can earn 20,000 so each month. Then right. I said, holy cow, a thing that happened is our first six years before COVID, right? We had about eight people in that house that they had their final time here. Yeah. It was in that house. But I think that was really cool is our company tracked the KPI of everyone that was able to be in our house that ended up being able to pass. But also the thing that all of us are able to track was the people that were in there. Could they answer the place that they were going to end up after Earth? And then also, how are they going to get there? Yeah. We had 100% people could answer that question. And then I said, wow, this isn't just on earning money. This is a thing that he called us to be here to help people end their final. Because a a thing that's actually really cool is if you can answer that before you're able to pass – so all things back before that don't actually play a factor into it. So even if you are yeah. a person that's terrible, if you get that in the end right, you are all good. So COVID happened, right? So yeah. just before COVID, so I said in 25 years, because we are going to have 25,000 people pass in all of our homes that are able to answer that question. And then- wow. I said, in order to hit that goal, because that's the, uh, have you ever gone through the book, Jim Collins from good to, he has the big, hairy, audacious goal. And then I chose 25,000. And then after I chose that, I was like, wow, by 2045, we're going to have 25,000 people. And then I go, oh boy, I better get going because in order to do that, so so like we need to have like thousands of these homes, 3,000 homes coast to coast by 2030. And I said, I have to get going in order yeah. to help that because if you think about the taxi cab industry, right? They're ancient, right? In order to call one, you should to just go here, taxi, taxi, right? right? right. And then that whole type of industry got changed because they came up with a good idea and go, how about if you use technology and change the whole thing upside down? Well, I feel like I'm the company that's going to be using technology to change this whole thing upside down. And we are going to be the Uber changing this industry because this industry, unfortunately, is like dinosaurs. They barely use technology. Have you ever gone into any place cares for the elder that has 100 to two to 200 people and just the odor is terrible yeah yeah what do you think that that is actually caused by because people wow. aren't getting changed right yeah i mean you would think yeah so if you could use technology to keep that from happening wouldn't you do that 
Of course. You would think so. Yeah. But, but people stay in their lane. Interesting. So interesting. Okay. So you've given us quite a bit, a little bit of the history too. I love the purpose. Thank you. The heartfeltness behind it, because at this stage, like you said, you can, you can continue to press correlating that to the listener. Do you think that for us having them get to that point, that's the top purpose of us being able to be here. Like is we can change the industry, but also we can operate it and how it ought to be done, right. where I don't ever go anything under about 10 for each home. And I don't go over 20 that's purposely done so that they feel. And you're talking about beds. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so I do that purposely because the atmosphere is key. The yeah. place that they don't feel that they are there just to end things. You know, if you are at a huge place with 200,000 people or that is 200,000 feet there, that there is, there is 200 people that tells you, you are probably going to end things here. We are going to have awesome homes, cozy homes, things going on where it tells them the total opposite. Mm. Yeah. I love that. So it's important to have that vision is what I'm hearing you say for the listener. Uh, Okay. So let's go back into your journey a little bit. I want to go, you've kind of given us how you got started and kind of where you are today, but in the middle somewhere, you were making some decisions and, and I want to know a good and a bad decision. So tell us about a good decision that you've made that just literally catapulted your entire business. That would be helpful to the listener. We had a choice early on, and this was probably about 2017 or 2018, where we could continue and do it how everyone else is able to do it, or else we could offer awesome care in a home. We chose to do offer awesome care in a home, but all of us knew it was going to come at a very big expense. And what we realized was that we had to do first what, how it ought to be done, and then B, to figure out afterwards how to get things to earn out. Sure. Now, typically in our industry, where if anyone has to have help, if they, if they, if they have anything that they have to go out, then they typically are, are going to go out. All of us found quickly is that if you have people go out, sometimes they don't come, they don't come to your home back. Okay. So we decided to bring the RN, bring the M to our team had everything go into our house. Now that came at a huge cost. We added an RN expense because we felt that if you can do it in there, that was a good choice. But the the backside of it was that it blew up what our costs were of how right. we were first operating. But we, we felt that in order to be profitable that way, we needed to keep under or over 10, but under about 20 beds. But collectively, our whole portfolio had to go out. So I had to have other homes because our overhead quickly got to about 500,000 per year. And when you have got two or three houses, two or three houses can't cover the overhead of a, of about 500,000 per year that forced us to go out. So, so I think in order to answer that question, it is both in that choice right there. That was a very good choice to do the type of care that people ought to have and don't do what everyone else does. But on the flip side of that coin was it forced us to expand faster because the overhead that I took on the type of people that I had on our team to offer that they were expensive and $500,000 per year by two houses. 
doesn't pan out. I wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing from the listener is that the experience, the service that you're providing, the end result, um, that you didn't, you didn't cheapen it out. You didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't choose to go the cheap route. You didn't choose to go the economy route. Nope. You chose to go the well done route. And even though it costs you a little bit more, you chose to go that route, but then figure out other ways to be able to bring the revenue in. And so yes. that principle in itself can be applied in any business out there. And For it's sure. make the experience, actually try this, make it an experience, right. <laughs> not right. just a service, make it an experience. And then, and then you're providing something so lasting for you guys, obviously it's like attached to their family. It's attached to their life. It's attached to their, their spirituality. Like there's so many deep connections that you guys offer, but for somebody who doesn't have that opportunity, their experience in, in whatever they're providing can still be connected to as many areas of that person's life as they want them to. They just have to press into those for sure. Might cost you a little bit of money, but figure out how to either go get more customers, raise your prices, like figure the revenue piece out. Don't scamp right. on the experience. Bingo. Boom. Yes. Okay. What about Boom. a bad decision? What about something that just was like, Ooh, stay clear of this red zone. I bought a house that was out of the 10 to 20 range. It had eight in it. And I thought I could always add two extra to it. Mm. And that house was about 45 from our elder houses. And that was a bad choice because what happened was that house didn't ever earn the type of income that dealer houses did. And it, it always, it ended up costing the total portfolio that had to pay in to help that house. So we operated it for two years and there were times where I was cutting checks for five to 10,000 each 30 days just to keep it going. And then I quickly figured out that if, a house cannot get up and operational on its own within 12 to about 15. You just got to cut your ties and, yep. and we ended up closing it. So yeah, that was hard. Um, I felt COVID forced it because we had, we had caregivers that were basically paid to go, don't go in to work every day. And yeah. that put us into overtime and, when you're cutting $10,000 each month just to keep things open, yeah. that get that gets old quickly. And yeah. I yeah. finally just said that if we can't find the care team t- in the area to truly care, we just have to close it till I can get things tighter. Yeah. You know, I love what you said there because it, it yes, the, 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 you know, the nail in the coffin may have been the stress of COVID and the fact that you had to pay overtime and, but the real problem, which you already said was it wasn't in your buy box, right? Yep. It wasn't in a close enough area. So your economies of scale was difficult. Yep. All of the other things that were making your business successful weren't applied to this one because yep. you didn't follow uh, the steps that you had set out for yourself. And, and I just so relate to this. I'll tell the, the listeners, my quick story is in my journey with edible arrangements before I started getting into real estate and, and other types of businesses, I, I opened up my fourth location and it was the only out of all the seven that I've owned. It was the only location that I opened out of fear. It was the only location that I opened so that someone else wouldn't take the territory. And I'll tell you what, it was the same exact thing. The portfolio was paying for paying that for to be open and eventually I had to just close it down and it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. But I'll tell you what, what I learned from that is, is you, you make decisions in a specific way. Like for you, it was the buy box. For me, it was like, okay, I shouldn't make decisions out of like 
fear of losing out on something. It should be what's part of my game plan. Does it fit in the game plan? Does it not? Yep. You know? Yeah. Crazy. Well, and a thing that is funny is at the time I had, th- I had three houses open and this house was home four. Yeah. There you that, go. It's that, that, it's that weird number four. <laughs> weird four number. Be you know, careful, it's crazy because be careful on four, be careful on four, skip past it. In fact, I tried to skip past it because I opened up number four. No, I take it back. No, it was number four. I was going to say it wasn't, but because I opened up five, six, and seven all in the same like two week period, but it was number four that got me, you know? <laughs> so anyway, careful just so appreciate four. the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> skip straight to five. All right. So when it comes to decision-making, since we're kind of joking about this, this such a huge topic in business. Do you have any sort of like discipline or any sort of process that you follow when it comes to trying to make good decisions now rather than the bad ones? Yes, I do today now. Back as I open things, as I had the first, the first home open, um, home two, I would even tell you home three, I had a pretty good internal feel of like, is it good? So is it bad? Fast forward to today now, I figured out that I'm only really good at about two things, possibly three things, but I'm terrible at everything else. I'm going to find people that are awesome at all of the things that I'm terrible at. And then I get to pose options and then all of us just talk on it. And then all of us could argue on it for an hour, two hours. But at the end of it, whatever the team is able to end up with is it. Like it's it, it. And that has helped us because our team is awesome. Our oldest is 74, who's been in the healthcare industry for 48 years. Wow. His, his partner is also on our team as well. Teresa has been on board in the healthcare industry for 38 years. All of these things are great because I am good at opening up the homes. I am good at being able to have them purchase, do all that. But as far as being able to operate them every day, I'm actually pretty terrible. That's a thing that all of us collectively talk on it. I just got done with finishing the book. Who, who, not how, not how. And in that book, the whole time, that's a thing that I have been able to do. And this guy could have just told me to, to do all of this earlier. That could have helped us exponentially. Yeah. But of course I had, I had to do things the hard way. You know, I tell people I have done everything possible in correctly. I would say two to about three times each. (laughs) It took me that time. I think that that has also taught me is that that experience, you've got to go, hey, that's good or that isn't good, but then you got to change things quickly. And I have built a team that takes things on early and they get it done quickly. And then all of us are able to talk on it. But then after the team is able to come up with it, boom, a deal that I could talk on that could potentially be a choice that I bought that was bad is during COVID, I bought a house on the East coast that was on the MLS for 2.2 million. I gave them two offers. The first offer was 1.8 million owner carryback financing. And the other offer was $700,000 cash close in five days. Which offer do you think they took? It depends on what their motivation was. Okay. <laughs> they took the option to close quickly. Okay. Wow. And they took all cash. So we argued because I was 
just adamant open up this property. 15,000 yeah. feet, it's gorgeous. And our team argued and argued and argued and came up with Brandon, put it up for sale. And yeah. our team just got an offer. We got a LOI offer on it for 1.8 million that our okay. company is going to clear over $500,000. Like that's a thing that I personally push to open it because everyone else goes, nope, put it up for sale. I said, yeah. all right, fine. Boom. And you did it anyway. Good. That's such, such a like process to follow, but then you gave a, an example there for the guy who maybe doesn't have like an executive team like you do in your house one or two, and it's just kind of you and maybe a couple of other people. Does that format still apply there or does it change a little bit for that guy? Back before I had a full team of people that I had on our team. So I always had been able to hire a person to help me yeah. and it isn't a person that's always in the particular industry that I'm in, but I found a coach that I could hire that can help keep me going because in the first couple of years, I didn't really feel like I could talk to anyone. I didn't feel that anyone got any clue of everything that I was going on, but I would yeah. go crazy if I could not talk to anyone. And even if he didn't have every answer, but if I could just talk it out with them, typically at the end of it, it was a easy option that I typically answered it. <laughs> but mm -hmm. the whole time he just asked me good questions. And then yeah. at the end of answering, I said, all right. And if you don't have people on your team, you've got to find a person who has done good things that, that I think you could ask to just to talk to and typically people who have been able to do things for 10, 20, 30 years, they don't typically have a ton of people asking them. And that's a thing that's crazy today. If you have a person that's able to absolutely just crush it, just ask them for help. Typically people are like, Hey, that's cool. Cause it is able to give them an opportunity just to help talk, but then also they can take all the things that they've gone through personally and give where they can help different person by all of that. And that, that part's really, really cool. Yeah. I think the perspective there is that you don't have it all together. You know, someone else, even if they don't have it all or all the right answers, having that, that counterpart. And then specifically what you said is having someone who has some experience. Yep. I can just bounce some things off of you or even just ask good questions. Yep. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs fall into the trap of I'm over here. I created this thing. I'm by myself. And so I'm going to just figure it out, which is fine. Like there's, there's an ownership factor to that, but, sure. but man, it gets you trapped and stuck in that place of, you know, yep. you're by yourself and you don't have anybody to talk to and, and, sure. uh, and also ego, like it just gets in the way and then you don't have any creative thoughts or anybody like, poking holes and what your plan is, or sure. there's just so much value in having those other people, whether they're local, whether it's a group that you're a part of, whether it's a coach, you know, whatever it might be. So love sure. that angle. Okay. Thank you. You ready for the speed round? Sure. Go. Okay. We're going to go one word answers here. First one is if you could only track one metric inside of your business, only one out of all the things that you track, what would it be and why? The people that are going to pass in our homes that they are able to go up to heaven. Cause that's the only thing that if you take care of that part correctly, 
I feel that he will take care of everything else for us. Yeah. I love that, uh, that you have the ability to tie that to a metric. That's so cool. <laughs> Not many businesses that have that opportunity for sure. Okay. What book would you recommend that a six figure owner read? Life and air. Life and air? Life and air. Life and air. Okay. Steve, Steve, Steve. It's the author is Steve Cook. Cook. Okay. I got it. Yep. Steve Cook. And of course you mentioned uh, who not how by Dan Sullivan. What a, what an incredible read. Yeah. I would tell you for this audience right here, I would say the book by Jim Collins, good to great is a fantastic read. Yeah, I agree. That, I that's agree. an awesome book. That thing changed everything. That's good. I still reference the language of seat on the bus from that book. So love yeah. that one. Do you intentionally network and mastermind with other entrepreneurs to grow? I do. I okay. probably spend $60,000 per year to be in those groups. And it's some of the top ROI that I think I've ever have. And I do. I have, that's a big part of it for yep. sure. That's huge. And I know, I think just from our conversation that we talked about, I know one of your groups is real estate specific. Are yep. the other ones real estate specific also or business oriented? Like what, what kind of groups are you part of? So I've, joined Collective Genius back in 2017. Yeah. That group is great for technical, like doing deal part, but I'm the only one in that group. There's about 150 of us. The first year I was in that, I absolutely just crushed it. It changed our whole company. The other groups I'm part of, one is a mm. fund. Um, okay. yeah. It's called IFS and they have a top group that I've been part of Black Card for about two years now. So that has helped us open up our fund. And the other group I'm part of is with Steve Cook personally. He has a group that keeps me not going 80 hours per week. Those three groups, one is one is 20,000 per year. The other one is 10,000 per year. And the other one's 10. And those three groups are great because they keep everything good. Where I could go and put in about, so like 80 hours each week easily. But I also get that if I did that, I would not be a good person at everything else. I've got two kids that are eight and 14 and Kelly, who I've been together for 15 years, probably couldn't put up with me being just busy. So yeah, 100%. I, a thing that I do is I go 10 to three every day. So I'm putting in about 30 hours each week. Yeah. I love that. I love that purposely you built done. your schedule. Yeah. I was gonna say you've purposely scheduled it that way. Yep. And I think every entrepreneur would love to get there and they're trying to build systems and processes to get there. I love how you've given just even some credit to just other people that you've been around that help you've gotten there. So last question, if you lost it all, Brandon, what would you do? Lost it all. It's all gone. Being at that place, isn't a good place to be at. But if you've been there before, it's good because I feel like that type of hunger pushes you harder for anyone that hasn't ever been there. So if I lost it all and had to begin over, I would start a fund and I would bring in capital and then I would explain how I would change the industry because there is tons of capital out there today that is getting killed. If you look at inflation of 85 percent plus. Yeah. There is trillions and trillions of dollars out there that people are just getting killed right now, where if you can help them, 
So I would open up our first fund. If I had to, I would partner up with somebody. If I didn't have any cash to open up our first fund, I would partner up with somebody and get the first one done because I have the experience of how to go do it. I am confident that I can go do it over. I'd find an industry that I was into, just totally into, where anything that you do, you have to be like all in. And if you aren't all in, don't do it. So I would do this industry over and I would do a fund because I think that's the easiest avenue to get to places that I think you're trying to go is you need to hold the capital. And there is a ton of investors out there that don't have any clue like what to do with it. Yeah. And if you can help them help the elderly and earn a very good ROI, I could probably build everything that I have today plus some in half the time. But it took me the first eight years to just like, just get things going through it. But like, if I had to begin from absolutely nothing, so as long as I had my church family, I could do anything. Even if I didn't have any access to anything, I would go find people and then I would help change the industry. Absolutely. I love it. You know, I think the, just the energy that you bring to the, the fund piece and what you've been able to learn through that, I think is super eye-opening. And Thank then you. also just the, the idea that, that you just keep going, I think is super encouraging because I think most entrepreneurs out there right now think that it's frail, that it can, it can be lost at any moment. I think there's like almost even like a healthy balance there of like, you probably should work. Like it can be lost at any moment. There's a little bit of that hunger that you, you you referenced, but to know that like, even if you lost it all, you'd keep going, I think is super inspiring. So Thank you. Brandon, you've, you've got a couple of links here. We're going to put them down below, but how can someone connect with you? Maybe they want to be part of the fund. Maybe they want to be an operator on the other end. Maybe they want to just connect with you as an entrepreneur. Like how can someone connect with you? So the top way someone that can get in, that is interested in investing to go to the fund page on the internet, which is going to be posted down below. But then the best way probably for anyone to get in contact with me is to go to the page that I have on the internet is my first name. And then it is S it is S C H W A B. And if you were able to go there to book a, a time to talk with me, if you are interested in opening up your own home, I will give you an 85 page book of how I opened our first house. There was a point that I thought I was going to get into teaching people how to do this. And then I quickly figured out that I am not. So for anyone that has gotten to this point of this call, if, if you go to, so like my first name, and then it is S C H W A B. Yeah. Brandon, Brandon Schwab.com. And I will have a list below. Yep. And if you can book a call for 15 minutes and just ask for the E, it's an 85 page book. The EA that I have will take care of that. I used to charge 2000 for that book. I will give that to anyone free of charge. However, don't act like it is free. If you pay $2,000 for it, you're going to put time and effort. I would tell you to 
take this and go. Yeah. If anyone's interested to invest, I would probably book a call with me first for about 30 minutes for us to first talk. And then all of us can answer if this is a good fit for you. And if you would be a good fit for us, Great. that's probably the best options. Perfect. Let me, let me reiterate here. Yeah. Boutique senior living fund.com. You can check out there for, for funding if you want to be an investor, but book a call with Brandon, Brandon Schwab.com. Yep. And, and he can help you through this stuff. But, but more importantly, the guys that have been listening that are interested in growing their business, I hope that you've been paying attention because Brandon has given you some amazing things here today about just some ups and downs, man. And we all have them. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Man, it, you have you found your lane, not only just in the niche of business, because I, I even before, like you didn't say it today, but in our previous call, you said you were kind of floundering in, around in real estate, but you found your yeah. spot of real estate that works really, really well. Right. And even inside of that business, you found the couple of two, three things that you are a superhero at. And then uh, you've got a team surrounding you doing the other parts of the business. And it sounds like you guys are crushing. I'm just so thankful that you got to be here and, and give some value here today. So if you want to connect the links are below and then dude, I just wish you nothing but success. I know we talked about you coming to Kansas city, so we're going to have to do some business together, my man. We are going to man, for sure. Soon as I finish our first pot of 30 homes here, which will be by the end of 2022, we are definitely interested. I've got 10 different areas picked out and Kansas city is number four or five on that. And dude, it's an awesome area. Love all about that. And thank you for being here today, adding so much value to us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.